everyone, welcome to But Why the Reviews. Today, we're talking about the unbearable weight of massive talent. I'm Kate, co-founder, editor-in-chief, and film head over at But Why Though, and I'm here today with CJ. Hello, everybody. And Kate Kennedy. Hi. Um, so why don't y'all kind of introduce yourselves, where people can read your work, where people can find you. Uh, we'll start with CJ. My name is Collier Jennings. Most people call me CJ. I am a contributor to But Why Though, writing pieces on film, TV, comics, and occasionally anime. I also write for Collider and Slash Film. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at CJ Writes Things and on Instagram at CJ Writes Things. I also am the co-host of Into the Spirecast, where we talk about, you guess it, everything Spider-Man related. Are y'all doing a special Nick Cage Spider-Man episode for Spider-Noir? I hadn't thought about it, but uh, we may do that in the future. <laughs> we, we, we should. We totally should. Honestly, my favorite Spider-Man. Yes. <laughs> he drinks extremely, fights Nazis. What more could you want? <laughs> and you, Kate? Um, I'm Caitlin Kennedy. Um, my Twitter is at Kate Does. That's C-A-I-T-D-O-E-S. And what Kate does is write about movies. Um, I'm a Rotten Tomatoes approved film critic. I'm a member of the Hollywood Critics Association. I contribute um, as a film writer at But Why Though? And my bylines include Nerdist, Polygon, The Mary Sue, Paste Magazine, all over the place. Uh, just love movies. <laughs> and that's, that that's really is, what is. <laughs> that's the perfect segue because The Unbearable Way to Massive Talent is a movie for people who love, well, Nick Cage movies, but movies. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, to start us off, our synopsis is Nicolas Cage stars as Nick Cage with gay in the action comedy, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Creatively unfulfilled and facing financial ruin, the fictionalized version of Cage must accept a $1 million offer to attend the birthday of a dangerous superfan played by Pedro Pascal. Things take a wildly unexpected turn when Cage is recruited by the CIA, by a CIA operative played by Tiffany Haddish and forced to live up to his own legend, channeling his most iconic and beloved on-screen characters in order to save himself and his loved ones. With a career built for this very moment, the seminal award-winning actor must take on the role of a lifetime, Nick Cage. Uh, so that's a lot. Uh, let's start with our first impressions on the film, uh, CJ. Nick Cage is a fascinating human being. So when I first heard about this movie, I was like, I got to see it. And then as the casting rolled in, I was like, I definitely got to see it. And then when the trailer dropped, I was like, I definitely, definitely have to see it. Finally, I got the chance to see it. And I was like, wow, because this is a movie for Cage Maniacs, a movie <laughs> for a movie that showcases just how great Pedro Pascal is as an actor and just a movie for people who love movies or who write movies as well, because it's a, I think it's a general thesis on the process of screenwriting, but more on that later. <laughs> and yeah, I was just really loved it so much. It lived up to the hype. It's one of those rare movies that lived up to the hype and was just has to be seen to be believed. Good stuff. Caitlin? You know, I, I think that... Uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent is such a great thesis statement on Cage himself. Because if you think about discussions of film, you can tell a lot about a person by their favorite Nick Cage movie and what about Nick Cage continues to compel them. 
he does action, he does comedy, he does, um, you know, he had a traditional romantic lead in Moonstruck. He's got these massive character moments. He's got this odd kind of quirky humor. Nick Cage brings so much as a performer. And what I love about the unbearable weight of massive talent is it doesn't try to focus too much on the weird because he's kind of got this whole cult weirdness going on. It embraces the weird, but it shows the range. Um, just a really fantastic summary of everything that Nick Cage does. And I mean, no matter what kind of Nick Cage fan you are, there is something for you and it's packaged in this beautiful story with Pedro Pascal, just loved it. Yeah, I am very much in the exact same boat. Um, I expected it to just be a romp. Like I didn't expect there to be anything really dynamic about it. I was like, okay, it's Nick Cage as Nick Cage. This is going to be weird. This is going to be absurd. And I was actually surprised by how not absurd it was. Like it hits a level, but it doesn't go as far as I thought it was going to go. And instead it really does show a human side of Nick Cage and a Nick Cage that like, like, I think you said it right, Caleb, like it, it's dynamic. It, it's his ability to do more than just be a pillow, <laughs> you know, a sequence pillow or do <laughs> faces that we all know and become memes. Um, and I think to your point, CJ, it is very much like that love letter on screenwriting and filmmaking. And also like when I when I walked out of the theater, my first impression was I loved it in the same way that I love The Last Mercenary, which I don't know if any of y'all have seen, but that is Jean-Claude Van Damme's uh, Netflix original film where it, it's just a letter to himself. Like he's not playing himself, but it is. it has all the things that we love him for. Um, and I think that that's really where this hit um, it, to be. And... and Pedro Pascal was great. I had my reservations, y'all. I was like, are we really going to put Pedro Pascal in another Mark Narco role? And is this man ever going to be able to escape playing some sort of crime lord? Um, and we'll get into all that later because it pays off in like a really good subverted way that I really appreciated. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that and we'll get into it a little more, I'm sure. But for Pedro Pascal, it's also kind of a mini thesis statement of his range. Yeah. And not quite from the same way that it's approached with Nick Cage, where it's like, here's this huge dynamic career. We're going to touch all the best bits and, and introduce you to the things you might not know. Yeah. But Pedro Pascal, by going in a very direct way, you get to see it played in a way that is much more authentic to the Pedro Pascal you see in interviews. Yeah. This this extremely funny man trapped in the body of a good-looking leading man, you know? <laughs> yes. yes. He, his comedic timing is insane. And I think it's going to be really great for people who, you know, like Kate said, only know him as like a narco or who only know him as the Mandalorian. He, yeah. He has range. Yeah. And he has, and, and I think that this is what makes them both really great together, right? Is they have this chemistry that uses what you know about them, but does it differently on screen, which I think really works well. And so from here, if you're watching or listening to us, we're about to jump into spoiler territory. So you can keep listening, uh, but don't blame us if you get spoiled. Uh, so I want to jump right in as we kind of talk about this piece, specifically like the Javi, you know, Pedro Pascal's character, I was definitely afraid. And then I, I, I think it's funny and I feel like it was purposeful that they have this Latino man 
playing a Spaniard in this instead mm-hmm. of the other way around that usually happens in Hollywood, which I thought was funny. I'm gonna, I'm going to hope was purposeful, um, which I think, given how a lot of the satire in the film, I think it is. Um, but what I really appreciated was that, like, he is just a super fan, and there's kind of this air of. Uh, once Tiffany Haddish and the CIA get involved and once Nick starts getting contacted, it's supposed to build up this danger around him. But like, he's just this lovable guy who loves Paddington too. And that is just adorable. And I think getting to see a man like, um, like you pointed out, CJ, who has played the strong silent type and has played, you know, the narco type who has done like mean roles and stoic roles getting to just be like a ball of emotions on and like positive emotions on screen was so beautiful for him yeah warm and fuzzy um so what did you all think about I guess casting Pedro or even just like him in this he's great he is so so great and so so funny and the movie revolves around his chemistry with Cage and I, I just love all the they're broing around and probably one of my favorite sequences is when they drop LSD and go on a car ride. It's the funniest thing. <laughs> they just like start freaking out thinking people are following them and the whole thing with the wall is just perfect. It's just perfectly paced comedy and I love that so much. They were great together. And I love that, again, Pedro got to express himself in this film so much. And I would love to see more of that in the future. Yeah. Give him yeah, a rom-com lead. Unlikely. Oh, sorry. No, no, sorry. I'd just give him a rom-com lead. Because that's what this is. Yes. yes. Yeah, it's a very unlikely chemistry. And, um, and I almost think it's a really great foil because your expectation of Nick Cage is that big at 100 and beyond performance. And everything we've seen from Pedro Pascal at this point is that kind of lower simmer of a performance. And so I think that that juxtaposition, you know, instantly is going to throw the audience off in terms of expectations. And, and as everybody's touched on already, getting to see it just unfold into this very oddly warm kind of hilarity, you know, a, a true romance of the greatest kind. I mean, just, really fantastic stuff and it's interesting you know uh, we've we've talked about memes a little bit um pointing to Pedro Pascal as the ultimate fan something that I love about this movie is there are tons of movies out there that are love letters to Hollywood or love letters to film or love letters to genre or love letters to the experience of loving cinema we've seen a lot of those films this one has a distinctly contemporary take in that it's leaning into meme. It's leaning yeah. into fandom to the nth degree. And it's still doing all of those classic love letter to Hollywood, love letter to a genre, love letter to an actor type things. Um, but just going at it in a super fun way, it's almost like, yeah. it's kind of like a Mondo poster. You know, for oh. those that are familiar, you think about traditional posters and then the Mondo Art Collective just does these incredible very edgy things with them but it's for fans by fans yeah and i get i get very much that vibe this is the mondo poster of hollywood love letters yeah i think you're right and there are like those little parts where like uh i think the best one was in the lsd 
uh, driving scene where he's like, I can't drive. I'm not a better driver. He's like, but you did all your own stunts and six and gone in 60 seconds. No, I didn't. But the director's commentary said she did. <laughs> and it's like those, those little moments where like that super fan piece and like in my brain, I was just like, oh God, I've listened to every Guillermo del Toro like interview that I can find. Um, would I be like this to that man if I was in a trying to be in a getaway car and stuff with GDT? But I think you're right. Like it is very much like it's a look at fandom. It's a look in fandom. It's weird because I think you're right. There's like this look at fans and fandom where it shows you the weird stuff like dude owns a wax sculpture of Nicolas Cage and has paid so much money for so many things. But there's the warmth and the wholesomeness to it because it's not something big and creepy like you kind of think it is going to be in the beginning. It's just somebody who cares. And I think that that's something I appreciate because often when we do get these contemporary takes on fandom, it is maligning it um, or it is pointing out like how exactly, exactly like the Scream remake. Uh, or, and, and, like to see it shown as something that can be beautiful as well, I think is something that's like really important. And I, and I think the way that it did that very specifically was when they're in like the Nick Cage vault and Nick Cage is looking at all of the props and he like calls, I think he calls like the pillow or something like disgusting or scary or like something like that. And Pedro Pascal is like, no, it's not like, he's like, it's art. <laughs> like it, it's like that little moment where like the person being admired sees something that's made about them. is like, Ugh. and then the person who has it is like, no, this is like, this, this is cool because it's you. And I don't know, yeah. there's just a softness and tenderness to the movie. CJ, did you have any takes on how it looks at fandom? I think it's, I think it really looks at how creative fandom can be. Because again, Javi mentions he has a screenplay and Nick kind of, you know, pretends to work it, but actually gets really into it. And yeah, like I said, this is a movie that kind of is a commentary on how movies are made they talk about the uh what they want it to be a character piece that balloons into an action-packed finale and the third act problems and i love how it's underlying of the problems in their life like uh i think javi mentions that one of the characters has like an unrequited love and it turns out he has a thing for his assistant gabriella and cage's home creative problems stem from the fact that he hasn't resolved things with his daughter and probably the thing that nobody has mentioned is there are literal guns, the Chekhov's guns, the golden guns from the face-off statue. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, that's brilliant. It really speaks to how well this movie is written and how much thought was put into it that these uh, that you can see that somebody could see these parallels and think, oh, this is what making movies is like. And it also speaks to that fandom that so many people can be inspired to write a movie and say, I want somebody to star in it. Like if I wanted to write a movie that starred Idris Elba in it, because I enjoy his work, something like that. Yeah. And I and I really like that aspect because it's fan, there's a part of fandom that inspires people to be creative, whether it's writing, making fan films, making cosplay, etc. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful. And I think that's what this film touches on. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the 
I, I think you also bring up a good point with the, with the with the face off guns, all the different nods to the to his past movies. I was actually surprised. I don't want to say subtle because it's not really subtle. Like they all happen very in your face, but it's almost like seamless. Like it doesn't feel ham fisted. Like if anything was going to feel ham fisted, you would think reenacting scenes that have popped up elsewhere or using props from other things that that's what it would feel like. But it all feels natural. It feels very, very natural. Um, I guess moving towards like, we've talked about Pedro. We've talked about the fans. I think we have to talk about Nick Cage. Um, so did you all have any- In the like, role he was born to play. <laughs> yes. <laughs> did you all have like any favorite kind of moments or showcases throughout the film that just really captured you? We can start with Caitlin. I, I loved him in the fan vault, um, kind of that scene we keep coming back to. It's, I think, I think Nick Cage is just so damn interesting. Um, I always think of Nick Cage as a person, like between his films and then things I know about him. Like, for example, I visited New Orleans once and Nick Cage has already purchased his own tomb in a New Orleans cemetery it has lipstick marks all over it because he like put a plaque on it for people to kiss and like started the tradition before his death of people kissing his tomb. <laughs> Which I just, I'm like, that's interesting. <laughs> but he also bought the Lollerie like murder mansion. He bought the murder mansion. Yeah, so he's one of these, you gotta wonder about a guy like that is it's like, what, what makes you tick? And I think what I romantically like to believe about Nick Cage is that he loves very deeply. He yeah. visited New Orleans once and he's like, I'm gonna inject myself into the soul of this city. <laughs> and when you watch his work and when you listen to him speak on his process in film and on his projects, I think that Nick Cage is love, man. And <laughs> I think that shows a lot in this film, just in that it shows a love between a creator and his fans it shows a love between an actor and his craft, uh, just all of that. And again, I think the way that the film is written, it just, it takes everything that he's good at and allows him to play, not just yeah. showcases it well, but allows him to play with it in a yeah. way that's really exciting. Yeah. And you, CJ? I think one of my favorite parts is where Cage interacts with Nikki, his younger movie star. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like that that was that was that has some of the funniest parts but it's also very uh profound because we have on the one end you have this hot shot i want to be a movie star and be big and famous guy and nikki and you have the more subtle trying to push his craft nick and it's yeah. kind of in a way cage commentate cage's commentary on where his career has taken him as well as yeah. what people think of him and they make out which I, I was like <laughs> wait. I was like wait is this really happening but <laughs> I love yourself I guess <laughs> no my, I, I, my, <laughs> my one my one issue is that uh, director Tom Gormican said that there were more scenes with Nikki that eventually got cut and I want to see those scenes because all those parts were amazing. I would have watched the whole movie of that. 
I think that like you really hit on something really important that I think this movie does. And I think this movie does something akin to how like a lot of people who have loved Nick Cage for forever, when Pig came out, everybody was like, Nick Cage is finally acting great. And it's like, is he? He's been doing all of this. He's been doing it in all of his films, no matter how experimental or weird or direct to DVD they are. Like he puts his foot in every role that he does. And I think what this shows, and especially his interactions with Nikki, is like his acting hasn't changed. And I think Nikki, as much as it's him and his past self from like his prime, I also think a lot of that is looking at what people put on Nick Cage. Like, oh, you were only good in the 90s or you were only good like in these bigger movies that come out and kind of miss some of the magic that you see sprinkled throughout like his extremely long filmography which I think this film is kind of like you get all of Nick Cage and you have to accept and love all of Nick Cage and that's a good thing and that's a healthy thing and it's something that will keep that that talent growing and giving because like whenever we talk about like good Nick Cage movies I actually think mom and dad is a really good Nick Cage movie because he plays a murderous dad (laughs) in like this weird kind of weird like plague tale type thing. And I think that like, while I thought about movies that let Cage do like great dramatic things, this movie made me think about the cage of it all those smaller Mm. films that we fall in love with that are gems and that become memes but actually give him the ability to just go out and be Nick Cage um because I think there is actually a comment in the movie where somebody's like why don't you make more movies like The Rock and (laughs) it's like it's this weird thing like it's also playing with our expectations from actors in a way and I think that that's my favorite thing about all of this um and I think my favorite scene with Nick Cage is him just being like "Hmm, I'm gonna keep acting (laughs) like that resolution of no we're gonna keep going um and then finally deciding to be in Javi's film and you know choosing to end it at the at the premiere of the film um I think that that was something that was really beautiful because leading up to like the reason he goes to the birthday party is he can't get any roles anymore and he wants to quit acting and he's just completely dejected and he finds it again. Um, Which again, I think speaks to the power of fandom. Like sometimes people don't know what they do touches people and it really does. Mm -hmm. Truth. Um, So when we look at the movie, were there anything that you think that it could have done better? I think if there's any element of the film that is ham-fisted, and I say this like as lightly and delicately as possible because I do think the film strikes a strong balance, I think that the whole family subplot is a bit... Uh, yeah. Those are one of my favorite <laughs> moments. Yeah. And it's a very expected path. The father cannot relate to his teenage daughter who is growing into her own identity. He is not the family man his family needs him to be. He's having to bring these whole, and and really the juxtaposition of the film is Nick Cage versus Nick fucking Cage. Yes. 
<laughs> it's yeah. that juxtaposition and bridging the gap between those two people because they are the same person, hence the kith at the end. <laughs> all together. But for me, the family elements were a bit much. And what I like to think, I think that all kind of goes into that intentional, expected, we have to throw in a kidnapping to help yeah. the audience buy in. I realize it was all very intentional. It's still tropey. And so yeah. for me, that's a weak point. Yeah. Or at least that's an interesting moment. Yeah, I agree. How about you, CJ? Um, I think, again, like I said, I would have liked to see more of those scenes with Nikki that got cut because I think there's a good thorough line there that was left on the cutting room floor, like who Cage is versus who folks perceive him to be. And yeah. Yeah. Other than that, everything else was pretty solid for me. So, yeah, yeah. just want to say, I don't know. I'm not going to start hashtag or anything, but I would like to see the Nikki cut. <laughs> um i think for me it really is i feel like they i feel like there was a little hold back on some moments i don't think some moments went as hard as they could have with two actors like pedro and nick like i think that like though like i feel like it was kind of holding itself back a little bit um i think the lsd piece was probably my favorite of their chemistry because like all the barriers came down mm-hmm. but I would have liked to have seen more of that absurdity and like connection through it um because to be honest like I think that that's one of the things that when you realize that they're friends is like your friends are people that you can be a little chaotic with or a lot chaotic with and you just go from one point to the next, the next, the next. And I think we get glimpses of that, but I don't think we necessarily see the whole picture a lot of the time, which is something I wish we we could have gotten more of. Um, yeah, that, and I actually thought Tiffany Haddish was hilarious. She was very good in this movie and I don't usually like Tiffany Haddish. I think a modest seasoning of Tiffany Haddish on any film is a good thing. It's whenever you go overboard. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. This is Very a fair. Seasoning of Tiffany Haddish and it worked. Very fair. I think uh, yeah, you have to know how to use her because like um, on uh, Apple TV's The After Party, she's really good on that. And here, and ironically, both of those projects, she also shows Ike Barinholtz, who was yeah, funny with this. they're good. They're good with each other. <laughs> So as we go to wrap up, um, let's give folks listening and watching um, our three reasons why they should go watch this movie. Um, And we can start with Caitlin. Uh, Number one, performance. These are fantastic performances from two fantastic actors. Lots of talent between Pascal and Cage, um, really utilizing the best of their skill set it's going to be something a little different and it's going to be a lot of the stuff that you already like. So if you're a fan of either or both, um, definitely go in for the performances uh, Two, great comedy. It's a damn funny film. It's a super funny film. Um, regardless of whether or not you buy too much into kind of the, the poetic cinema nature of it, it is, it's damn funny <laughs> and you will have a good time. Um, and then three, Three is going to be a bit more of a trick, but what I really like about this film, and it touches back on some of the comments made earlier, is 
if you are a Nick Cage fan and an Easter egg hunter in films, <laughs> this is your movie. And I think making the film about Nick Cage, even if it is a fictionalized version, it lets those things be out in the open. And so instead of being like, oh, look, I hid it in the background. Do you see it? It can just be, and it can be openly enjoyed. And so if you are a big fan of his filmography, there's going to be a lot in here for you. And if you're not, it's not like you know there's a joke you're missing. It's just all yeah. going to post real smooth. CJ? Uh, one, it's a great tribute to everything Nick Cage. So if you are a Nick Cage fan, there's something for you. Great performance from the guy. Great tribute to all his movies. Just a great thing. Two, the Pedro Pascal and his chemistry with Cage. Like, it's great. It's phenomenal. It, it's just really the and the the hook on which the whole movie spins. And I would love to see these two do more things together, if I'm being honest. Three, it's a love letter to movies. Like if you love movies of all kinds or if you love making movies, this is the movie for you. Especially the bit where they watch Paddington 2. It's just like, yeah. They're, they're, sometimes people just click over the weirdest movies. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I love that. So yeah, those are my three reasons why you should see it. Um, I think for me is going off the Paddington 2, just that entire sequence, like you should watch this. Because I feel like it is telling you that it is okay to love the movies that you love, whether or not somebody believes that they belong in the top three. Like Javi's top three movies of all time being Face Off, uh, Counted Dr. Calgary, and Paddington 2. That is the range that we need to embrace in cinema. And I appreciate this film for doing that. Um, I think as both of you have said, just to echo the performances, um, there's an undeniable chemistry and love that runs throughout this entire film that I don't think would have been the same with any other actors. Um, and three, I think that we all need a little bit of warm and fuzzy in our life sometimes. And I think that that's why you should go watch this. It is, it is a spark of joy for like anybody who's going to walk in and has love for them. And I think that we could all use a little joy in our life. Uh, so why not go watch Pedro Pascal and Nick Cage high on LSD, trying to jump over a wall and getting very emotional when they can't make it over only for them to be able to walk around. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you all for joining me um, for But Why the Reviews. This is our second episode that we've done uh so thank you all for spending your time and your great criticism um and love uh so if y'all can let everybody know listening and watching where they can find you um cj we start with you okay i am a rotten tomatoes approved critic so you can find me on that website uh, you can find me on twitter at cj writes things on instagram at cj writes stuff and my written work is on but why though Slash Film, Collider, and IGA. Caitlin? Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, so look me up on there. Caitlin Kennedy, of course, on Twitter, at Kate Does, at C-A-I-T-D-O-E-S. Um, and then my Muckrack profile. Look up muckrack.com slash Kate Does Content. That's where I'm putting all my stuff, no matter where I write it. <laughs> And for me, you all know I'm shitposting on my Twitter at OhMyMithRandier. Um, and you can read all my writing at ButWhyThroughPodcast.com as well as a few other sites. But you can follow me to get those links. So thank y'all. Uh, go cage it up. 
I don't know how to end these shows. I've been experimenting with endings, but we're going to go with cage it up today. Uncage yourself. <laughs> oh yeah, uncage yourself. <laughs> cage yourself. <laughs> Let's see.